Hello, Earnings Call listener. My name is Hadi Youssef. I run this earnings season podcast, but I also run the Borster Earnings Call mobile app, and that's what I wanted to quickly tell you about today. We've created a dedicated app for listening to earnings calls. What I mean by that is that we've basically created the Spotify for earnings calls. Our app lets you add any company to your watch list. You can download any earnings call to your phone. You can set notifications for specific companies for when a new call is available. You can also see the exact date of the earnings call. And if there is a company that isn't on our app yet, you can request a company within our app and we will promptly add it. Making earnings calls easy to access is something that I care a lot about. It's why I created this earnings season podcast. But obviously, we cannot add every single earnings call that gets published on this podcast, or else you'll be having hundreds of episodes every week. And so, we've created a dedicated app where you can go and pick and choose the exact earnings calls、uh, you're interested in. And what we post on this earnings season podcast are basically kind of the highlights or the most notable earnings calls. But in the show notes of this episode, I've included a video demonstration where I walk you through all the features that I just described for our app. And I also included the link to the App Store where you can go there and see the description of the app and the reviews. You know, I'm really proud of the feedback we've gotten from our users. And,、uh, you know, pleasing and satisfying our, our users and our customers is, is something that I、uh, take pride in. And, and as a team, we、uh, really pride ourselves on that. And so, I don't want to take more of your time and, and keep you from listening to the earnings calls you've selected today. So, without further ado, here is your earnings call. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to the third quarter 2019 Hewlett Packard Enterprise Earnings Conference Call. My name is Gary, and I'll be your conference moderator for today's call. At this time, all participants will be in a listen only mode. We will be facilitating a question and answer session towards the end of the conference. Should you need assistance during the call, please signal a conference specialist by pressing the star key followed by zero. As a reminder, this conference is being recorded for replay purposes. I would now like to turn the presentation over to your host for today's call, Mr. Andrew Simonek, Head of Investor Relations. Please proceed. Good afternoon. I'm Andy Simonek, Head of Investor Relations for Hewlett Packard Enterprise, and I'd like to welcome you to our fiscal 2019 third quarter earnings conference call with Antonio Neri, HPE's President and Chief Executive Officer, and Tarek Robiati, HPE's Executive Vice President and Chief Financial Officer. Before handing the call over to Antonio, let me remind you that this call is being webcast. A replay of the webcast will be made shortly available after the call for approximately one year. We posted the press release and the slide presentation accompanying today's earnings release on our HPE Investor Relations webpage at investors.hpe.com. As always, elements of this presentation are forward looking and are based on our best view of the world and our businesses as we see them today. For more detailed information, please see the disclaimers on the earnings materials relating to forward looking statements that involve risks, uncertainties, and assumptions. For a discussion of some of these risks, uncertainties, and assumptions, please refer to HPE's filings with the SEC, including its most recent Form 10K. HPE assumes no obligation and does not intend to update any such forward looking statements. 
We also note that the financial information discussed on this call reflects estimates based on information available at this time and could differ materially from the amounts ultimately reported on HPE's quarterly report on Form 10-Q for the fiscal quarter ended July 31, 2019. Also, for financial information that has been expressed on a non-GAAP basis, we have provided reconciliations to the comparable GAAP information on our website. Please refer to the tables and slide presentation accompanying today's earnings release on our website for details. Throughout this conference call, all revenue growth rates, unless noted otherwise, are presented on a year-over-year basis and are adjusted to exclude the impact of currency. Finally, please note that after Antonio provides his high-level remarks, Tarek will be referencing the slides in our earnings presentation throughout his prepared remarks. As mentioned, the earnings presentation can be found posted to our website, and it is also embedded within the webcast player for this earnings call. With that, let me turn the call over to Antonio. Thanks, Andy. Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you for joining us. In Q3, we continue to demonstrate discipline execution, which expand the profitability across the company. In a more uneven market, we improved both gross and operating margins, delivered a strong non-GAAP earnings per share, and generated a record level of year-to-date free cash flow. These results reflect our momentum as we take deliberate steps to shift our portfolio to higher value, software-defined offerings delivered as a service. This quarter, we also advance our innovation agenda. We made organic investments in new products and announced strategic acquisitions that drive growth by significantly enhancing our ability to help customers with their digital transformations. We delivered revenue of $7.2 billion in Q3, up 1% sequentially and down 3% year-over-year adjusted for the Tier 1 business. Our revenue growth was primarily impacted by delivery actions through HP Next, including portfolio rationalization as well as some microeconomic factors. Importantly, we continue to deliver growth in key areas of strategic investment, including high-performance compute, hyperconverged infrastructure, hybrid cloud, and HP Poinect services orders, of which GreenLake is a key driver of our growth. Our gross margin of 33.9% is up 170 basis points from last quarter and 340 basis points year over year. This was fueled by the mix shift to higher value offerings and commodities pricing tailwinds. Non-GAAP operating profit margin of 9.9% is up 80 basis points year over year. And our non-GAAP EPS of 45 cents is up 7% year over year and above the high end of our previous outlook. Both the quantity and the quality of our free cash flow continues to improve. Year to date, our free cash flow is $860 million, which is up $790 million from the same prior year period. As a result of our ongoing performance, I am very pleased to say that this marks our seventh quarter of raising our non-GAAP EPS outlook for the year. Before I provide specific highlights of our business performance, I will offer a few perspectives on the macro environment. We continue to see uneven demand, due in part to ongoing trade tensions, which impact market stability and customer confidence. 
This is showing up in elongated cell cycles, particularly in larger deals, as we noted last quarter and reiterated during our IR summit at our Discover conference in June. However, our customers continue to affirm their need to accelerate their digital transformations to improve business outcomes and customers' and employee experiences while reducing costs. The explosion of data will continue to fuel underlying demand for solutions to help protect, store, manage, and analyze their data. And this is where we are laser-focused. We have a strong portfolio of solutions and services that span the intelligent edge and the hybrid cloud. We are uniquely positioned to help our customers with this transition. This is why at our Discover conference, we unveiled new innovations to accelerate customers' enterprises with edge-centric, cloud-enabled, and data-driven solutions. And I announced that we will offer our entire HP portfolio as a service by 2022. To share performance highlights from our business segments, I will start with Intelligent Edge. In Q3, our Intelligent Edge business delivered revenue of $762 million, up 14% sequentially, which is better than our sequential growth last year, but down 2% year over year. As we know the last quarter, we are actively addressing the sales coverage model in the United States. I am pleased with the actions taken to date that have resulted in positive attraction with our U.S. product business, which was up over 40% sequentially. We delivered solid growth in EMEA and APJ and in our Aruba services business. This growth was driven in part by new customer wins. For instance, Vancouver Clinic, which provides healthcare services across southern Washington, wanted to deliver modern healthcare and reliable connectivity for staff, nurses, and doctors to access patient records and utilize medical devices. They chose Aruba's mobile-first network with Aruba OS 8 to deliver secure mobility and allow the clinic to perform live network upgrades without interrupting connectivity. A key factor in their decision was Aruba ClearPass, which addressed their security concerns as it allows the IT team to quickly and easily create policies for authenticating and onboarding new devices. With a population of more than 750,000 residents, the County of San Mateo here in California has standardized on Aruba for their wireless, network access control, and edge switching solutions. A key factor in the County's decision to choose Aruba was its need for secure and stable access to mission-critical applications in locations such as the County-funded hospital. Customers are recognizing the advantages of Aruba solutions to deliver exceptional customer experiences at Intelligent Edge. This is one reason Aruba emerged as the only vendor in the leaders category in the recent Forest and New Wave Wireless Solution Report, which evaluated eight of the most significant vendors in the wireless space. We also launched new offerings during the quarter, including solutions for the fast-growing mid- and small-market customer segments, and extended services to capture additional enterprise customers. We introduced Aruba Instant On, a secure, scalable, and simple Wi-Fi solution for small businesses, allowing the SMB market to benefit from a proven enterprise expertise. Now, small businesses can deliver a seamless wireless experience with an easy setup that can be managed from any mobile device. 
extended the HP GreenLake portfolio to the edge by announcing HP GreenLake for Aruba, which gives organizations flexibility and choice in how they obtain and support their edge infrastructure. We unveiled exciting enhancement to Aruba Central, our cloud-based network platform that manages more than 20,000 customers' branch networks. With this next generation, customers will benefit from artificial intelligence-powered network analytics, improved security, and user-centric assurance for wired, wireless, and edge infrastructures from a single point of control. We believe the intelligent edge is the natural next step of the cloud experience. The opportunity at the edge is all about using technology and data to bridge the digital and physical worlds. Increasingly, business outcomes will depend on the experiences that enterprises can deliver at the edge. Our strong portfolio enables us to capitalize on this exciting opportunity. Turning to hybrid IT, we deliver our highest operating margin since Q1 fiscal year 17. Our operating margin of 12.7% was up 250 basis points year over year. Revenue $5.5 billion was down 3% year-over-year when adjusted for Tier 1 in China. While we saw some signs of microeconomic softness and longer sell cycles in certain markets, we realized year-over-year traction in critical areas for customers. High-performance computing realized its 10th consecutive quarter of growth, and composable cloud grew 28%. While storage overall experienced a modest revenue decline against a tougher market backdrop in year-over-year compare, we gained momentum in key strategic areas like HP Nimble Storage, which grew 21%, and Hyperconverge, which grew 4%. On the innovation front, we announced HPE Primera, a new storage platform for mission-critical workloads. HP Primera offers unprecedented deployment times of 20 minutes a guarantee of 100% data availability, and upgrades with no downtime for a truly differentiated customer experience. HP Pointnext services orders, including Nimble orders, grew 2% in constant currency, as we had the highest quarter yet for services intensity. We demonstrated success in attaching a greater level of services and favorable mixed shift to infrastructure with higher attach rates. HP GreenLake is now one of our fastest-growing businesses. This quarter, we continue to see very strong customer momentum with order growth of 10% year-over-year, or 42% excluding one large deal from the prior year. In addition to bringing as a service to the edge with HP GreenLake for Aruba this quarter, we also launched new solutions to accelerate HP GreenLake growth in the mid-market. Customers are choosing HP GreenLake for choice, flexibility, and speed to market. For instance, we were selected by the Publicis Group for our HP GreenLake for SAP HANA, a managed private cloud solution to provide speed, scalability, and budget predictability. As part of their move to SAP HANA, Publicis evaluated public cloud alternatives but determined that on-premises model with a pay-per-use managed solution built on HP's recognized industry leadership was the right option for them. Additional customer wins during the quarter demonstrate the strength of our portfolio. We won a significant deal with Rolls-Royce Power System AG. 
company was looking for a cloud-like pay-per-use model with an intelligent data platform that could offer high speed and low latency. And HPE was the only company with a model that could meet both needs through HP GreenLake and HP 3PAR. In addition, Chase Center, the new home of the NBA Golden State Warriors, chose HPE SimpliVity for its 18,000 capacity arena, enabling a private cloud to run application at scale. Chase Center will open its doors next month ahead of the 2019-2020 NBA season and is already working with Aruba to power personalized digital connected experiences for fans and guests. In Q3, we also expanded our innovation through our important partnerships and strategic acquisitions. We deepened our strategic relationship with Google Cloud to deliver true hybrid cloud for containers with a choice for as-a-service delivered through HP GreenLake. We first announced the relationship in April with two HP validated designs for Google Cloud's Anthos. This expansion shows the growing understanding and acceptance of the fact that the world is hybrid. Just yesterday, we announced the expansion of our partnership with VMware to offer VMware Cloud Foundation as a service. Through the integration of HP GreenLake and HP Synergy with VMware Cloud Foundation, our two companies will allow mutual customers to keep all their applications, tools, and data in place while achieving the benefits of cloud and composable infrastructure. On the acquisition front, just after our Q3 close, we acquired MAPAR's business assets. We have been building our HPE AI portfolio over the last few years. With MAPAR's enterprise-grade file system and cloud-native storage, we have a complete portfolio of products to drive AI and analytics applications. The technology is also highly complementary to Blue Data's container platform strategy. HP plans to support existing customer deployments along with ongoing renewals, and we are pleased to welcome MAPAR customers and partners and the MAPAR team to the HP family. As you will remember, we announced the Cray acquisition early in Q3 and now expect to close the Cray transaction by the end of Q4 fiscal year 19, earlier than originally planned. HPC continues to be a strategic focus area for HPE, and we have a clear differentiation that is even further strengthened by Cray. For instance, Cray recently announced its second Exascale Supercomputer Award with Lawrence Livermore National Lab. And last week, HPE joined NASA Amos at the grand opening of its modular supercomputing facility in Mountain View, California. Supporting our purpose to advance the way we live and work, HP is building a new supercomputer based on the HPE SGI 8600 system as researchers work to land the first woman and the next man on the moon by 2024. Turning to HP Financial Services, revenue of $888 million represented a modest year-over-year decline. However, financing volume was up 5% when adjusted for currency, and operating profit increased 90 basis points year-over-year. HPFS remains a strategic business that continues to help customers manage and monetize their existing assets in new ways, as well as address the entire product life cycle to reduce the cost and resource demands of IT. 
In summary, I am pleased with our discipline and focused execution, which delivered strong operational performance this quarter. We have been able to simultaneously invest in the future growth of our business while expanding operating margins, delivering non-GAAP EPS above our previous outlook, and generating record levels of cash flow. I remain very confident in our strategy and our ability to continue to drive profitable growth as we pursue the exciting plans we unveiled at Discover to offer our entire portfolio as a service by 2022. By doing so, we will be well-positioned to deliver long-term recurring revenue growth and profit. It is an exciting time at HPE. Over the last two years, we have shifted our portfolio and aligned our investments and execution to that shift. This hard work has paved the way for us to innovate, and we are well-positioned to capitalize on this significant opportunity in front of us and to continue to deliver strong shareholder value. We look forward to providing more details about our long-term plans at our security analyst meeting in New York on October 23rd. With that, I will turn it over to Tarek. Thank you very much, Antonio. Now, let me provide more detail on our financial results for the quarter. As I have done before, I'll be referencing the slides from our earnings presentation to better highlight our performance in the third quarter of our fiscal year. Starting with slides one and two, I would like to talk about the key highlights from this quarter. The main takeaways are that we have significantly expanded gross margins this quarter while simultaneously making further investments in the business and delivering non-GAAP EPS above our previous outlook that we will raise for the full year, marking the seventh consecutive quarter of increased non-GAAP EPS guidance. We have also reached record levels of free cash flow compared to the prior year-to-date period and grew revenue sequentially in an uneven macro environment. While our revenue continues to be in transition due to deliberate actions such as Tier 1 sales, China optimization, and ANPS country exits, we are pivoting our portfolio towards higher margin and more recurring revenues. This has translated into gross margin expanding by 340 basis points year-over-year this quarter, driven by our portfolio mix shift and commodity tailwinds. Our ongoing execution discipline demonstrates that our underlying profitability and quality of earnings continue to improve quarter after quarter. I'll talk more about this in the upcoming slides. On the cash front, we delivered the highest level of free cash flow we have achieved through the third quarter of the fiscal year as Hewlett-Packard Enterprise. With respect to GAAP EPS, we finished the quarter with an EPS loss of $0.02 that included a $0.42 reserve due to a one-time arbitration award to DXE compared to the previously provided outlook of $0.29 to $0.33 per share for the quarter. While we are disappointed with the ruling, it is important to note that at this stage, our fiscal year 19 free cash flow guidance remains unchanged. Finally, we also announced recent strategic investment in Cray and Mapper. We already closed the purchase of Mapper's business assets that we acquired for less than one-time annual revenue. We are also making good progress towards closing the Cray transaction, which is now expected to close by the end of quarter four of fiscal year 19 earlier than originally anticipated. 
We look forward to deriving significant value from both these acquisitions next year. Moving on to a macro view of the business on slide three, we continue to see an uneven demand environment largely caused by trade tensions similar to what we called out last quarter's earnings and reiterated at our discovery event in June. While elongated sales cycles persist and remain more pronounced for larger enterprise deals, they are not materially worse than in June. HPE's broad portfolio and global footprint makes us well diversified to handle choppy markets. We have also been able to successfully navigate all of the recent tariff increases on China exports that have been factored into our outlook. We will now move to slide four that shows our performance in the quarter by segment. I won't take you through every number, but let me hit a few key points. In the intelligent edge, we began to make progress improving our go-to-market execution in the United States, where product revenue grew over 40% sequentially. We have also introduced several new offerings for the mid-market and SMB market that are gaining traction. Aruba Services growth continues to be solid across all geographies. In hybrid IT, we continue to grow our higher margin offerings with composable cloud growing at 28% and high performance compute at 2%. Within storage, we again saw notable strength in nimble storage, which grew 21%, and hyperconverged infrastructure, which grew 4%. In our services business, PointNext operational services orders and Nimble services orders together were up 3% in constant currency, driven by GreenLake orders, which grew 10% year-over-year. PointNext advisory and professional services orders also grew in constant currency. And within HPE financial services, financing volume was up 5% year-over-year in constant currency, and return on equity remained strong, exceeding 15% again this quarter. Now we will turn to slide five that demonstrates the many contributions we derive from our unique partnership with H3C. As you know, H3C is a major player in the fast-growing China market with number one market share in campus switching and wireless LAN. As noted on the slide, profit contribution from H3C occurs in three areas. HPE's sales of products to H3C for resale in the China market, HPE's resale of HVC's products in the rest of the world outside China, and HPE's share of HVC's profits based upon HPE's 49% stake in H3C. We greatly value our unique partnership with HVC, which helps us capitalize on the incredible growth opportunity in the world's second largest IT market. In addition, HPE's 49% equity stake in H3C has been increasing in value through the put option and publicly traded market value of UNIS. Slide 6 shows our EPS performance to date. Non-GAAP diluted net earnings per share of $0.45 cents in Q3 is well above our previously provided outlook of $0.40 to $0.44 cents due to operational outperformance. This marks the ninth quarter in a row that we have exceeded the high end of our non-GAAP quarterly outlook. On a year-to-date basis, non-GAAP diluted net earnings per share has grown 21%. As a reminder, we ended fiscal year 17 with a non-GAAP EPS from continuing operations of 94 cents. 
Based on our updated fiscal year 19 non-GAAP EPS outlook of $1.74 at the midpoint, we have demonstrated tremendous progress in non-GAAP EPS, which has grown by over 85% in the last two years. We have been able to achieve this through significant expansion of our gross and operating margins, which I will talk about next. Turning to gross margins on slide 7, we continue to deliver significant gross margin expansion as we focus on profitable growth in hybrid IT, shifting our portfolio towards higher value, higher gross margin offerings and commodity tailwinds. Gross margins of 33.9% was up 340 basis points year over year and up 170 basis points quarter over quarter, the sixth order of sequential expansion. Since Q1 fiscal year 2018, we have expanded gross margin by 560 basis points through a combination of portfolio mix shift, HP index initiative, and commodity tailwinds. Expanding gross margins is very important as it demonstrates that we have a broad portfolio of software-defined IP-rich offerings of significant value to our customers. Similar to the last quarter, let me show you on slide eight how the mix shift in our portfolio is improving our underlying profitability and quality of earnings. Year to date, we have expanded gross margins by 270 basis points, driven by portfolio mix shift combined with supply chain efficiencies and lower commodities cost. Now let me put in perspective the key metrics to measure our mix shift as we pivot our portfolio. The left-hand side of the chart shows how the various businesses within hybrid IT contributed to HPE's overall revenue growth in the first three quarters of this fiscal year, along with a spectrum of gross margins. First, currency has been a headwind this year of about 130 basis points here today. Second, we continue to wind down the low margin areas of our tier one business that was roughly 5% of our total revenue last year versus only about 2% this year, but at much better gross margins. In compute, the volume compute business declined slightly diluting growth by 70 basis points, but more importantly, our higher margin value compute business grew 4% year to date and contributed 90 basis points to overall growth at a much higher margin. Storage contributed another 20 basis points to overall growth year-to-date, driven by 49% growth in Nimble. In services, we grew operational services orders, including Nimble services, at 2% year-to-date, driven by GreenLake subscription services, which was up 24%. These are both important lead indicators to overall future point-next revenue growth. The key takeaway is that our portfolio mix shift is working and our underlying profitability and overall quality of earnings is materially improving. Now moving to slide nine, we have been able to make significant investments in R&D and sales to support future revenue growth while driving significant non-GAAP operating margin expansion. HPE Next has enabled us to redirect investments back into the business, including a double-digit increase year-to-date in R&D to drive organic innovation in our higher margin, faster growth areas of the portfolio, and additional investments in go-to-market to improve sales effectiveness. We expect to drive revenue productivity and growth in the upcoming quarters from these strategic investments. Meanwhile, non-GAAP operating margin has climbed back up to nearly 10%, up over 250 basis points versus six quarters ago. 
Turning to cash flow on slide 10, free cash flow was seasonally very strong at $648 million in Q3. On a year-to-date basis, we have delivered a record level of $860 million in free cash flow that is up $790 million versus the prior year, driven primarily by higher profitability and lower one-time payments. Underpinning our year-to-date free cash flow performance is an over $900 million improvement in our cash flow from operations relative to last year. Consequently, at this stage, we believe that we can absorb the unexpected DXE award payment of $666 million to be made in Q4 within our existing full-year outlook of $1.4 to $1.6 billion of free cash flow. Slide 11 shows our capital returns today. As part of our continued $7 billion capital return plan through fiscal year 19, we returned $727 million to shareholders during the quarter. We paid $150 million in dividends and repurchased $577 million worth of shares in the quarter. On a year-to-date basis, we have returned approximately $2.4 billion to shareholders with $500 million in dividends and $1.9 billion in share repurchases. Now turning to our outlook on slide 12. As a reminder at SAM, we originally guided our fiscal year 19 non-GAAP EPS outlook to be $1.51 to $1.61. Due to our strong non-GAAP EPS performance, we raised our full-year EPS guidance by $0.05 in Q1, another $0.06 in Q2, to $1.62 to $1.72. With continued operational outperformance in Q3, we are again raising our EPS guidance for the full year. We now expect to finish fiscal year 19 with non-GAAP diluted net earnings per share of $1.72 to $1.76, and we expect our fiscal year 19 GAAP diluted net earnings per share to be 65 to 69 cents. This is now the seventh consecutive quarter that we are raising our non-GAAP EPS outlook. So overall, I'm pleased with the progress we continue to make on our revenue and margin transition. We will continue to execute against our strategy of shifting our portfolio towards profitable growth that will drive our free cash flow and ultimately shareholder returns. As Antonio mentioned, we look forward to having you join us at our securities analyst meeting on October 23rd in New York, where we will provide an update on our strategy and financial outlook. Now with that, let's open it up for questions. We will now begin the question and answer session. To ask a question, you may press star then one on your touchtone phone. If you are using a speakerphone, please pick up your handset before pressing the keys. To withdraw your question, please press star then two. We also request that you only ask one question and one follow-up question. The first question comes from Katie Huberty with Morgan Stanley. Please go ahead. Yes, thank you. Good afternoon. We've heard from some of your peers over the last couple of weeks that lower commodity costs are starting to be passed through to customers in the form of lower ASPs. Can you just talk through how that will influence margins over the next couple of quarters? Can you hold on to the margin benefit from commodity prices, or will some of that come out of the model? And then have a follow-up. Yeah, thanks, uh, Katie, for the question. Uh, definitely the commodity prices uh, have started to come down, but uh, I think we have uh, executed with discipline on pricing and costs, and therefore we're able to hold uh, a lot of that. 
And uh, in the short term, we believe that will be the case. Um, think about one to two quarters. Uh, but at the same time, let's remind ourselves that the content, since you asked the question about ASPs, the content that gets attached to each of the solutions continue to grow. So whether it's memory, sizing, or storage sizing continue to grow. While the cost per bit may be coming down, the reality more or overall content gets attached and therefore less impact on AUPs. But I think we have done an excellent job in uh, retaining uh, that cost decline through more content attached and better pricing discipline. And, and then on, has, okay, on... Tarek has a comment on that. Yeah, okay. Katie, hi. I just want to add to what Antonio said. Um, there are two effects at play, as you point out. One is a tailwind from commodities that Antonio commented on, and there's also the revenue mix shift. The revenue mix shift is really critical uh, to us sustaining the gross margins moving forward, and we're confident that by continuing to grow the areas, the revenue streams of higher gross margin, we can maintain the level of gross margins we have overall. Thank you. And then just as a follow-up on cash flow, you're holding the, the full-year guidance despite the over $600 million payment. Can you just talk about what the offsetting positives are to help you hold free cash flow guidance? Yeah. Um, I'm glad you asked the question. Last time you and I have spoken, you asked us why we didn't raise the free cash flow guidance. You may remember <laughs> that. Yes. Um, my answer to, to your prior question was um, we had a pretty wide range of 1.4 to $1.6 billion. So uh, we, we stuck to that guidance back then. And now specifically with the DXE um, award from the arbitration, uh, we feel that they are essentially three factors that uh, give us um, confidence to be able to still deliver the guidance at 1.4 to $1.6 billion. Number one, uh, you know that our Q4 quarter is the strongest one from a free cash flow generation. We continue to believe this will be the case in this quarter. Number two, if you really look at the um, free cash flow guidance of 1.4 to 1.6 billion and the outperformance on uh, non-GAAP EPS, that outperformance is about $250 million in underlying cash flow earnings. And number three, we also said at the beginning of the fiscal year that our working capital will be this year contributor to free cash flow as opposed to a use uh, of cash flow, source, uh, cash flow resources. So the combination of these three factors makes us believe that at this time we can withstand the payment of $666 million to DXE. I will uh, not hide from you that this won't be easy, uh, but at this stage uh, we feel comfortable we can do that. Okay, that's great. Thank you. Perfect. Thank you, Katie. Um, can we go to the next question, please? Next question comes from Shannon Cross with Cross Research. Please go ahead. Uh, thank you very much for taking my question. I wanted to dig a bit more into the gross margin. Um, understand mix is a big part and obviously components, but, uh, you know, I think, Tarek, you said it would be sustainable at these levels. I'm, I'm kind of curious as to how far you think uh, you can take some of the improvements that you're doing right now, and, you know, and how much further there is to go with gross margin, and then I have a follow-up. Thank you. Okay, so as Antonio said, uh, we feel that the commodity tailwinds um, will continue for a little bit, a couple of quarters, as he mentioned um, in the prior question. Over and above that, uh, the revenue mix shift uh, plays a very important role 
in driving higher gross margins. The revenue streams that we have highlighted on our presentation on slide um, seven, if my numbering is correct, slide eight, excuse me, uh, if you really stack up these revenue streams, they all come up uh, with improved gross margins individually due to the commodities, but also as the more higher value uh, revenue streams from value compute and storage kick in, you can see that the revenue mix will move into favorable gross margin territory. And third, I think, you know, we are also, as a management team, looking always at ways under HPE Next and otherwise through our global operations team, finding efficiencies in the way we purchase um, commodities to build our products that we manufacture. So on the whole, we feel that we have sufficient levers between commodity tailwinds, supply chain efficiencies, and revenue mix to sustain uh, to sustain the uh, gross margin. And I will add, okay. on, uh, uh, which Tarek provided a very comprehensive answer, is the fact that there is always opportunity to improve our cost structure. Um, you know, HP Next was the framework to go about it, and we made huge progress. But since then, we have covered other areas which we are executing, uh, and that's a normal course of business management. Okay, thank you. And then I, I understand, um, you know, tier, net of tier one, you were down about 3% in revenue, and there's, you know, puts and takes throughout the model. How do you think about revenue as a, you know, revenue growth um, versus profitability? Um, I don't know, Antonio, if you want to sort of just balance them off, because, you know, clearly um, it, it, at some point, we would help you shift back more into a revenue growth situation. So that will take acquisition and, and continue to mix shifts. So I'm just curious how you sort of think about that um, versus cash flow and, and margin. Thank you. Well, sure. I mean, listen, I think finding the right balance between growth and uh, and profit is always uh, what we are after, too. I think, you know, as Tarek said, you know, the, the portfolio mix shift is something that we are completely committed to do and it's paying off which has allowed us to make investments in the business in the areas we see the growth is going to happen going forward. And, uh, and that investment is both organic and inorganic, right? So we, we made a commitment to particular segments of the market on Intelligent Edge, which I believe is the next frontier through connectivity, security, and the cloud consumption model. Uh, I think the, the multiple use cases we see expanding in that space are sources of growth, and we feel pretty good about it with the latest innovation we brought to the market. As I think about the core business, right, the workload-optimized, cloud-enabled, and consumption-driven model are areas of growth. And in that, when you think about type of workloads, we'll drive growth. We talk about HPC, high-performance compute, the ability to provide hybrid solutions with software-defined experiences is where we're making investments. And so for us, finding that balance is key, but also getting the portfolio in the right place is what we're really after. And obviously, um, we believe we are in the right place, and the services piece of this is obviously very critical. And, uh, and that's why I'm so excited about the Green Lake offering, because it's a point of differentiation for us in the marketplace that uh, customers are paying attention, and even our competitors for that matter. But getting growth also in the underlying businesses like we did with Nimble is, is foundational. I don't know, Tarek, if you want to add anything. Yeah, I just would like to uh, put a little bit more context on what Antonio has said and, and put some perspective on our fiscal year 19. Um, fiscal year 19 was not a year where we uh, wanted to dial up the growth. 
Fiscal year 19 uh, is a year where we had to deliver on APS commitment, drive free cash flow. These are the two most important metrics. Prepare ourselves to dial up the growth in the subsequent quarters. And we feel that we, we've done a fair bit of progress here. There's, of course, more to be done. But you can see on slide nine that we've made significant investments in um, FSC dollars and R&D dollars to dial up the growth in the upcoming quarters. In addition to Antonio's point, the inorganic investments that we have made will bear fruit. Effectively, today, we uh, secured approval for the uh, completion of the Cray acquisition. Uh, this has become official just a few minutes before our call. So we will close the uh, Cray acquisition in Q4 fiscal year 19 and start to consolidate immediately upon the close, which is late in the quarter of fiscal year 19. More of that growth will be felt in fiscal year 20 as a result of the consolidation, but notwithstanding the consolidation of Cray, we will grow our business um, overall. Thank you. Great, thank you, Shannon. Uh, let's go to the next question, please. And the next question comes from Tony Sakanagi with Bernstein. Please go ahead. Uh, yes, thank you. Um, sorry, I'd just like to revisit the gross margin topic uh, one more time. Um, maybe you can help provide what estimate you think was uh, uh, what percentage of the gross margin improvement year over year and sequentially was driven by uh, commodities and whether you can confirm there were no one-time factors in Q3. I, w I was just struck by how much gross margins went up sequentially when revenues were essentially flat, tier one was essentially flat, um, and there didn't seem to be really radical mixes uh, in your business on a sequential basis, yet margins went up 170 basis points. So um, maybe you can, you can help clarify um, how much was attributable to commodities year over year and sequentially uh, that there were no other one-time factors and how we should think about sequential dynamics. Okay. So there are no one-time factors that affect the gross margin. That's the first thing you can take that off the table. The second thing, Tony, that uh, affects the gross margins is the mix shifts versus the commodities. I'd say to put some uh, uh, metrics around this, Roughly 50% was mixed shift and 50% was commodities. As part of that, you also have to the mixed shift pertaining to Point Next. Point Next OS costs of services is effectively affecting our gross margin. We're injecting more and more automation in Point Next OS to reduce the actual cost of labor that affects the gross margin component. So all of the levers that are available to us, and I. Last but not least, the supply chain, as we, we spoke a moment ago, are contributing to augmenting the gross margins. We have a new team in global operations. We are starting to feel the weight of, uh, that they carry and the traction they're gaining. We want to see further savings from supply chain moving forward. And so on the whole, because we know this is the most important metric that governs the tech space, uh, we will drive the gross margins to higher levels. So how high is up? It's for us to, to see and for you to determine over time as we execute, but we're very pleased with the progress so far, Tony. And, Tony, I will add one thing. You know, obviously we talk about uh, unevenness and what's going on in the market, but I think this team has executed with discipline. Discipline to participate in the market we want to compete, to extract value from the market, and, uh, you know, and that's what resulted in expanded profitability. 
Okay, thank you for that. If I could just follow up, um, you, you talked about unevenness in macro. Um, I, I guess the question is, um, you know, how, how do you know that uh, sort of what you're seeing or the revenue softness that you're experiencing is not due to a more structural shift to the cloud or some of these customers that are pausing are not thinking about um, you know tighter partnerships with cloud vendors um, and what what makes you confident I guess that the revenue weakness uh, that you've seen you know I think relative to expectations because I, I think at the beginning of the year you're optimistic that growth would accelerate through the year so relative to those initial expectations what makes you confident that this is not something structural rather than, you know, what appears to be sort of cyclical demand factors that you're citing? Yeah, Tony, I mean, let me start by stating that the world is hybrid. And uh, I quoted some of the deals that we won this quarter uh, where you see the value of placing data and workloads both on-prem and off-prem. And that's the new reality. And more and more of those workloads and data will be processed at the edge. And that's the big opportunity. That's why I have a lot of confidence, a confidence in the fact that the data around us will continue to explode, fueled by the digital transformation we all experience in every industry. Um, that data has tremendous value. We are only utilizing 6% of that data today, and that's why we see an acceleration of new techniques like AI, machine learning, big data analytics, and that's why we're making quite a big significant of investments, first to make our infrastructure more intelligent so that the customers don't need to spend money running that infrastructure, second to give a simple experience like you would think about the public cloud in many ways, but with the same economics because we have talked to, I spend 50% of my time with customers and they are telling me at their scale, at production workloads, it is cheaper for them to run it on-prem than off-prem. That said, they will put workloads in both places. And last but not least is the fact that they want to consume more and more as a service, and that's the new reality. And so that's why when I bring it together, you know, the world is hybrid, the, the edge is becoming more and more intelligent, the data has value because that's where outcomes are being derived, and I think our portfolio is uniquely positioned to address these new realities and how we connect this world is the opportunity going forward. We have been trimming down, pruning down all the areas we don't want to participate, and unfortunately that has taken time, whether it's the tier one business or some of the advisor and professional services in countries where we believe we couldn't get scale. Repave that business, that, that, that resources and funds in the areas we want to go forward and then augment that, that, that investment with targeted, very disciplined acquisition return investor capital that will drive growth. And that's why I'm confident, Tony. Obviously, we need the right innovation and the right talent, but I, I will say this team is, this, is really executing with remarkable discipline, and you can see the expanded profitability, and uh, I think that will continue. Thank you. Great. Thank you, Tony. Um, can we go to the next question, please? The next question comes from Paul Coster with J.P. Morgan. Please go ahead. 
Uh, yeah, thank you for taking my question. Just uh, drilling into the uneven demand uh, comment, I wonder if uh, you've noticed, though, any difference in the behavior of enterprise customers versus SMBs or whether there's any verticals which are, are sort of standing up quite well under this, uh, you know, sort of onslaught of news and, uh, and, and if there are any verticals which, on the other hand, are looking uh, particularly uncertain about their IT spending. Sure. Um, uh, so I will say the SMB and mid market continues to be strong, you know, and this is where, you know, we are putting a lot of emphasis on what we call the no-touch, low-touch model for the transactional high-velocity business. Uh, we also introduce a new offerings targeted for that segment of the market. An example is Aruba Instant On, uh, where, you know, now you can, if you are a small business, from a single couple of clicks, like two, three clicks on a mobile app, you can actually deploy entire Wi-Fi infrastructure for less than $200. And so that... Pardon me, this is the conference operator. It appears we have uh, had a disconnection from the speaker's location. Please stand by as we try to reconnect them. Pardon me, this is the conference operator. I have rejoined the speaker location to the call. Again, if you have a question, please press star then one. I'd like to turn the call back over to the speaker location. Hey, yes, hey, this is Andy. Sorry, everyone, for the technical difficulties we were having there. Um, so we'll jump back in with, I believe, Paul Coster to ask a question about the macro environment, um, any particular verticals that we were seeing in change. Yeah, so, Paul, Antonio, sorry, sorry about that. I'm not sure what happened. We will check into after this. But you asked the question about the uneven, unevenness of the market and, most importantly, which segment of the market. I will start to answer the question that we see good momentum in SMB and mid-market, particularly in the transactional business and uh, that's why we have a lot of focus both on the product portfolio and the go-to-market. We make some announcement with Aruba on Instant On and um, the low touch, no touch, particularly on the e-commerce side with the channel partners. And then on enterprise, we see strong demand in healthcare. I spend a lot of time with them here at EBC because of the digitization of their experiences with a mobile-first, cloud-first approach. At the same time, in the industrial space with manufacturing, they need to bridge the analog world with the digital world. Um, you know, oil and gas obviously continue to be a little bit hit and miss there because of the, the situation with oil. But overall, I mean, you know, when it comes down to larger deals, that's where we see the elongated sell cycles. Sorry about the disruption. Sorry, Paul. Um, thank, thank you for the question. No, thank you so much. All right, thanks, Paul. Th thanks, Paul. <laughs> Can we go to the next question, please? And the next thank question. And the next question is from Simon Leopold with Raymond James. Please go ahead. Great, thank you very much. I, I first wanted, uh, hopefully, a simple, maybe clarification. Uh, appreciate your reiterating the uh, fiscal 19 free cash flow target. Uh, in June, you you had also um, reiterated the uh, fiscal 20 target for roughly two billion of free cash flow. Just wanted to to make sure that uh, nothing has changed in your view on on that fiscal 20 target. Yeah, you're, thank you for asking the question. I, I should have mentioned this. Nothing has changed for our 2020 $1.9 to $2.1 billion of free cash flow guidance. Great. Thank you very much for that. And, and then I, I wanted to get back to the, the uh, trending. One, one of the things we've heard about, and I think you've even addressed, is um, declining ASPs. And, and clearly, 
your costs have come down faster and you've benefited from mix. Is there some element that you could help us quantify the dynamic of, of what degree you're, you're, you're reducing price uh, since that will factor into maybe our revenue uh, estimates? Thank you. Okay, so we are starting to see AUP come down. Uh, which were up at very low single digits, and these were reflecting lower DRAM costs that are starting to be passed through. But we're now almost at a full Gen 10 mix, so we're getting less uplift from the new generation. Having said that, we continue to see more and more option attached and richer configurations, as Antonio mentioned, that will continue to be a trend due to the ever-increasing amount of data that is being generated and consumed. So consequently, we should see AUPs tick back up over time as DRAM costs start to level off or even potentially rebound in the future. And I want to add to that that, you know, since uh, I, I run the compute business for several years, and I have to tell you the TikTok of the technologies and the amount of memory and storage you can attach continue to increase. As we go to the next generation of Gen 11, um, and just take a look at just the latest announcement we make with the AMD, the amount of uh, memory channels you can attach more options to it continues to grow. And so now on the same form factor, you have way more memory and way more storage capacity. And like I said before, as the cost per bit may be coming down, the number of bits continue to grow. And therefore, what we said before is two-thirds of that AUP is structural. And that will continue because now we have new solutions like non-volatile memory and, uh, and so forth. And so those are technologies that will find its way through the, through the portfolio that we already provide in, in the next generations. Thank you for that. Thanks, Simon. Uh, can we go to the next question, please? And the next question comes from Aaron Rakers with Wells Fargo. Please go ahead. Yeah, thanks for taking the question, and uh, uh, congrats on the execution on the mix of the business uh, driving forward. Um, on the mix discussion, I, I'm curious. It looks like now your Tier 1 customers for this given quarter, you know, has fallen below kind of 1% of total revenue. So it, it looks like that's kind of that mix shift has finalized itself. But I'm curious in, in terms of the overall mix of compute between value versus the volume, where, where does that mix stand today, and, and how do you think about that mix or what it could look like uh, over the next uh, year or, or two years? And I have a follow-up. Yeah, um, look, you're right in your uh, assertion around Tier 1. Right now, Tier 1, as we said, is 2.2% um, of HP's revenue year-to-date. So in the last quarter, it was roughly the amount that you've indicated. But it is coming at a much higher uh, gross margin, and we're happy with that level of gross margin. Uh, revenue with no gross margin makes no sense to, to us. With respect to the rest, 50-50 um, is roughly the answer between volume compute and value compute. But within that, you also have more and more software-defined solution, which will lift the gross margin up of each of those two categories. And so that is important to note. You know, we're making those investments in R&D to drive differentiation. That differentiation comes in the form of software-defined infrastructure in both volume and value compute, and of course, needless to say, storage and all the other offerings that we have in hybrid IT. Okay. 
Okay. And then as a follow-up, going back to GreenLake, I think the last quarter or last couple of quarters you've given some metrics. I know that orders look like they were up about 10%, but I'm curious, any update on how many customers have adopted versus the 600 that was quoted last quarter? And where do we stand as far as the contract value of GreenLake at this point? Thank you. So we have north of uh, 600 customers right now. Our total contract value is in excess of $2.5 billion uh, from GreenLake. Thank you. And um, as we go along, we're going to share more about this, but the bottom line, there is uh, new logos and expansion of current contracts. So that's the reality. And one of the things that we saw with GreenLake, which is very pleasing, is the ability to continue to grow once you're on the contract, and the renewal rates, which are 99%, and the MPS score is 91, which is remarkable for a business like that. And one, one, one comment I want to add on the volume versus value, uh, you know, we categorize that based on, on the, the type of server we talked before on the compute side, but more of the volume will become value, as we add to Tarek's point, more software and more of the IP we acquire, particularly in areas like Plexi in a composable rack. And you can think about it of a server that has a volume aspect but a ton of value added on top. Therefore, it becomes in a package solution becomes a value over time. Thank Great. You. Thank, thank you. Thanks, Aaron. So we're already running over time, but I wanted to make sure we gave a little extra since, since we went dark for a second. Um, so let's go ahead and take one last question, please. And that question will come from Rod Hall with Goldman Sachs. Please go ahead. Yeah, hi, guys. Thanks for fitting me in. I wanted to ask about the Point Next trends and uh, op services within that. So uh, Point Next still de deteriorating by 4%, but op services up 3%. I just wonder if you guys could help us understand um, when you would expect that overall line maybe to stabilize. And we'd love it if you'd give us, of course, the uh, proportionate split between the two things. And then I have a follow-up. Okay, so remember in, in point next overall, you have two revenue streams that have uh, very different uh, economics. One is point next OS and the other one is the ANPS um, uh, business. Overall, we feel good about the long-term opportunity in point next and particularly following Antonio's announcement at Discover to offer our entire portfolio as a service by 2022. And this is where GreenLake plays a, a, a crucial role. In Q3, the services orders for Point Next OS and Nimble grew 3% in constant currency. And our book-to-bill ratio was similar to last quarter, about 1.12. It is important to understand that the mix shift that we are driving across the portfolio of compute to more sophisticated software-defined offerings is increasing our attach rates and service intensity to levels that we, we, we haven't uh, witnessed in the, in the past. The service intensity in Q3 was the highest quarter ever. GreenLake, as we mentioned, is also a key driver of Pointnext orders and is one of our fastest growing businesses with strong customer momentum. GreenLake grew 42%. So that gives you a good color around Pointnext OS. And with respect to ANPS, it's a much smaller portion of the total Pointnext uh, revenue stream. And uh, we are optimizing that business for growth and profitability with the country exits that Antonio referred to at the beginning of this conversation. 
Okay, thank you, Tarek. And then just a quick follow-up since we're over time. Um, could you just clarify, I heard your comments on AUP starting to decline a little bit in core compute, X tier one. Could you just clarify what is happening there with unit volume trends? So um, units were still declining at a low single digit rate. Um, this hasn't changed, but it doesn't truly uh, bothers me again. It's just a, this, uh, what we're trying to do is to shift towards those units that drive higher services attached. Number one, there is also an important point to note is that when you look at units on a sequential basis, they were up. So what matters is that we look at the momentum of the business overall and what drives the attach rate, which is service intensity in the right type of units. We feel reasonably good about the performance on this quarter on that front. But again, okay, this is you. something very important. Our units were up sequentially, and, uh, and that's a major takeaway. And second is that our ability to attach to the right unit has improved dramatically, and that's why we drove the best services intensity uh, yet. And so for us, that's, uh, that's what our strategy is, and more software content we add, obviously we attach other type of services, particularly on the software license associated with those units, not just the associated proactive care or break fix type of support. Um, again, apologies, I don't know what happened to the uh, web, uh, web service here, but we'll look into it. But uh, I just want to wrap up by reiterating that uh, we are pleased with our progress you know, in, a, in what we call in an uneven market, we, we executed with strong discipline, which obviously you can see the results and expand the profitability and record levels of cash flow. That gives us the confidence to, uh, to raise our outlook and reaffirm both the 2019 and 2020 free cash flow. And uh, at the same time, we continue to invest in the business, both organic and inorganically, so we can continue to focus on that growth that Shannon asked the question with the right level of profit. So with that, we are looking forward to see you on October 23rd at the security analyst meeting. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes our call for today. Thank you.